Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to the program. I'm Jim Shoemaker. How financially secure is the average American today? That's a question a lot of people are asking. And some areas need improvement, but there is some new research showing that we're doing a lot better than we did a couple of years ago. In fact, 10 years ago, compared to today, a lot better. And we have some interesting facts we're going to talk about today on today's program, from retirement savings all the way up to establishing the Rainy Day Fund. We're going to get some pats on the back of what we're doing today. Also, how can one health care procedure, such as a hip replacement, have two different prices in the same health care system? That issue, it's an issue of rising health care costs, and it's causing employers to consider other options other than traditional health care plans like, like Blue Cross and like Cigna. The other option, it's called self-funding. Just what does that mean, and is it an alternative you should consider? You'll want to find out exactly what we're talking about with that program. That's a, that's a biggie that's happening to a, a lot of Americans today. A bill that was recently filed in the Tennessee legislature this week is seeking to more than double the minimum hourly wage of employees in the state of Tennessee. If passed, the Tennessee Minimum Wage Act would require employers in the state to pay employees at least $15 an hour beginning July the 1st, 2020. Now, I know a lot of people say, boy, we need to do that. That's important. Actually, we're paying seven and a quarter, which is the federal minimum wage, minimum amount that we need to be paying. But here's the key. As of January the 1st this year, 21 U.S. states increased their state-mandated minimum wage. So maybe there's some pressure on the state of Tennessee. The highest minimum wage in the nation is not $15, but 13 an hour. And that is in California. The information comes from the National Conference of State Legislatures. And finally, boy, this is, I mean, this is a biggie. For everyone who loves to drive a Ford Mustang, this is for you. And we have a couple of people at the office that drive Ford Mustangs. From Meekum Actions, here's what happened. You remember the 1968 Ford Mustang Bullet? The Bullet GT driven by actors Steve McQueen in the movie, 1968 movie Bullet? Well, that Mustang was purchased by a private investor, Mr. Robert Kernan, for $3,500 in 1974. That man obviously loved the movie, loved the Ford Mustang. He bought it for $3,500. Well, Mr. Kernan's son, Sean, sold the car at auction in Florida a couple of weeks ago. Ready for this? For $3.4 million, resulting in an annual pre-tax gain of... 16.1% over the entire 46-year 
holding period. Nice Mustang, nice return on an investment. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com to find today's program on podcast or past programs. Go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Micah Powell and Shannon Dyson are my guests. We're going to be talking about our Americans on the road to a better financial wealth program. Are we making a difference? And what is self-funding? And when we're talking about health insurance, what do you need to know about self-funding? You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990, FM 107.9. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, let me ask you this question just right off the top. Are you a saver, person who can habitually and is disciplined enough to... Maybe 10% of what you make on an annual basis, you save it, you put it someplace that you know that you might need it later, or are you a spender? Boy, you know, you get the money, it hardly sits in your hand two seconds and you're out spending it. Hey, you know what? We all do, there's a little bit of both. Sometimes I'm a more of a spender, sometimes I'm very disciplined in savings, but we're talking about we're doing better than we did 10 years ago. We're still not there. But we are making huge amounts of progress when it comes to thoughts about how I can be a, have a better financial health, and that's important. My guest is Michael Powell and Shannon Dyson. We're going to talk about some things that we've that this research that's been done by the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. They've simply it's called Fenra. You've heard of me talk about Fenra before. The reality is they've given us some insight, and Michael and Shannon are going to help us understand really what we're doing better and some areas we might need to step a little deeper into and try to improve. Michael and Shannon, welcome to the program, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back, Jim. Well, you guys do a great job. You know, it's easy to have you back because I always know, and our listeners know, that there's always going to be good information when you guys are on the program because you come prepared. And, Michael, you're a certified financial planner. And, Shannon, you head up our insurance division and know the healthcare industry better than most. And, in fact, I'm always impressed at how much you know. So you guys literally, I think our listeners can really gain some insight to paying attention to what you're going to talk about. But let me start with this thing about ways that Americans are doing better with their financial health. And Michael, I want to ask you the first question. While some, we see that there's still the struggles, what did you see in this study by FINRA that says we are doing better? What was the first thing you saw? Well, the first thing is that home buyers today are making higher down payments on their home when they're financing. And we've between all three of us in the room, I think we've all bought at least one house in our lifetime. And one of those things is that you've always heard, whether it's a long time ago or in financial seminars or anything you've listened to on the radio, the, the gold standard is 20% for a down payment. And the reason why they say 20% of the value of the home is because you can avoid what's called private mortgage insurance, PMI for short, just an extra bill that people don't want to pay. So looking at the survey, uh, in 2009, less than one out of four home buyers were actually putting less than 20% down. 
now recently with this survey coming out we got about almost one third of that so that's a big improvement so people got more cash to put down obviously they've got more cash you go back to 2009 i mean face it everybody was struggling a lot of unemployment the whole idea of the whole housing industry was down so this trend is economically driven mm-hmm. you know lower unemployment we're down to 3.6 percent people are working wages are increasing so obviously that's a good solid reason but the good thing about it is we're taking advantage of that. We're sure. that's what I like to hear is be terrible if we saw this economic increase, but the consumer was not doing anything with it. Shannon, you see that a lot in talking to people just about health insurance. Absolutely. And in, in your open, you were talking about uh, people were saving more money. Um, Michael, you just said people, more people have 20% to put down on a home. And I was just sitting here thinking, you know, I hope that that is something that is that can be taught and learned and not something that you're born with. I have a, a 10-year-old son and he got some Christmas money. <laughs> Trust me, you're not born with it. He, he got some Christmas money this year and we went on vacation and it was burning a hole in his pocket to spend <laughs> as quickly as he can. So I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, there's time for him to learn to be a saver, I'm hoping. Yeah, well, saving or spending, but, you know, face it, I, I can identify with that 10-year-old. I mean, uh, my wife and I, when we got married, she was the spender and I was the saver. I mean, I've said several times on the program before, I mean, she accuses me that I could squeeze the buffalo with the buff, you know, the buffalo nickel till the buffalo would sit down. I was so tight. Today, that's reversed. I mean, she's the person that is so, you, you know, she's just gotten to the point in her life that Spending is not as important. She's a saver, and I'm a spender. I mean, I have this problem of going into one particular retail store that I just don't go to that retail store anymore. I mean, because I couldn't go in and buy one item by the time I I came out with $100, you know. So I just know I'm a spender when it comes to that. What about the establishing, you talk about paying higher prices, I mean, a higher down payment. What's the second thing that you found out reading this survey? Well, more people have saved up for an emergency fund or a rainy day fund, if you call it that, uh, because we all know things happen, whether it's good or bad. We're talking about bad things in this situation, but financial shocks can happen in our world. We're not always prepared for it. And it could be a health problem. It could be a job loss. And that's why we always preach to our clients and anybody else hey, you need to have at least some sort of emergency fund set aside for that typical occasion. And in this survey, back in 2009, it was about 35% of people had at least three months' worth of expenses. That's the bare minimum most most people should have. But um, in the last time they surveyed it in 2016, there was 46% said they had that. So, so that's improvement. Again, another improvement, another reason to see the economy improving. People are spending Spending less money, or they're what they may not spending because obviously this the fourth quarter of this year consumerism you know everybody's very optimistic and a lot of spending in the retail stores and online, but the reality is we're saving money too. Yes, and another, I'll make a point of that. This weekend I took my car to the uh, tire shop to get my oil changed, tires rotated, normal routine, and of course I f- they find something got to. that they gotta got fix. To, and yeah. hey, your brake pads are. On yep. 5% life, right. 20% life. I'm like, great. How much is that going to cost? Oh, you know, about $350. You and it's just one of those things you don't prepare for. And that's just like, 
Man, they get you every time. So you make know, sure you save for those random tire store trips. You had another problem. You never have. I've, ta- I've taught my my oldest son just say no <laughs> and tell me everything that they say that needs to be fixed, and then we'll figure it out. But just initially, just say no. To, get your oil change. Correct. Get your oil change. Yeah, I trusted the guy. Okay. Well, you know, he said I you trust have five percent life on these things. I, yes. I want him to save my life at least. Absolutely. Make sure. I, get I think that. that's important. That you know, the reality is when you talk about the rainy day fund. That's literally what you're kind of talking about, having that ability. Of course, we know that, you know, I, I have a, an automobile fund, something like that. I used to. And I would save money and put it into an envelope and say, okay, here's for car repairs, new tires. You talked about rotating. And so that was kind of that rainy day fund for the car. Mm-hmm. If I had air conditioning money, you know, I'd sit down and say, what happens if the air conditioner goes? You talked about those financial shocks. And I and I think that's, I think that's what people need to be prepared for. And you're saying... We're making an improvement yes. in that area. Because we're avoiding having to dip into more credit debt. Because That's, if I don't have the money in the bank, guess what I'm doing? Swiping the card. Swiping the card. Exactly. And that can really hurt us long term. If you just tuned in, my guests are Shannon Dyson and Michael Powell. We're talking about ways that Americans are on the road to better financial health. The Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, better known as FINRA, did a financial capability in the United States study, and they interviewed 27,000 people, and they found some very encouraging trends in some very key areas. And the two we've discussed so far is making a higher down payment than we have historically in the past and saving money for that rainy day financial problem that's going to occur that we all know that's going to occur you know a couple of years ago i had to replace a roof now i did have to you know i filed with the insurance company and because i had some wind damage that was really wrecked messed up my roof big time but i you know it was i had a still had a deductible and i still had a you know a high enough deductible on my insurance that i needed to make that was that house repair mm-hmm. well you know you get started and it's kind of like the same thing with a car i needed to fix this i needed this leaky window i needed to caulk this next thing you know my house deductible doubled now not it didn't double but, right. but my cost doubled because i started looking at other things that's what you're talking about, saving money for that those rainy day funds. And by the way, this was literally a rainy day fund yeah. <laughs> from that standpoint. <laughs> what about um, the idea behind paying bills? Because I, I looked at a lot of things. People seem to be managing their bill payment. We have fewer home closings, house closings, you know, mortgage closings. We're just doing a better job of saving money, and we're doing a better job of paying our bills. Yes, and that's one thing that we always want to focus on because that just keeps the lights on and the food coming on the table. And we're in one of the most wealthiest countries in the world, and more than half of Americans in this survey had found it very challenging to cover these living expenses. And this correlates with my last point. Because if you got more emergency funds, money set aside, you're able to pay more bills on time if something does come abrupt in your life. And in this survey, we went from 36% in 2009 to 48% in 2016. So that's great improvement. That's that. tremendous improvement. Let me ask you this, Michael. Both of you guys can weigh in on this. The problem is when you're talking to someone and you're, you're they're, they're you're going through the counseling process and you're talking to do you find people by nature 
are disciplined more today than, say, they were five years ago or 10 years ago? Or are they still struggle with that big word? And it's a big word, discipline, financial discipline. I'm not talking about anything else, but financial discipline. I would say yes, because we're, we're in this world today where we've got enough technology and apps and tools to help us with this when we didn't have that five or 10 years ago. And whether it's good or bad to know how much you're spending, or good or ugly, or however it is, I think it is definitely an improvement for that. Yeah, and I think in the from coming from an insurance uh, perspective, in both you know homeowners insurance, like you mentioned, or health insurance, uh, the biggest thing there is being disciplined to okay, I've I've got the insurance, so I've I have enough money, I have enough cash flow to pay for my premiums. But are we disciplined enough to save that money where that when you do have the claim and you have to pay the deductible that you don't have to dip into somewhere else to get the money for the deductible? I think that's critical. Again, let me tell everybody that's listening. If you're listening, if you'd like to talk to these guys, their telephone number is 757-5757. They're here to answer your questions. Michael, let me ask you about the idea when you say paying bills. Do you find that people, they they... Do they manage this, the paying of the bills, or it just they wait till they come in and just start writing checks? Is it something they think about prior to spending the money? I see a lot more people actually, you know, paying them as they come by instead of putting them on some sort of automatic draft or what day of the month. But I think people are getting better at it. But it just comes along with the the old adage of pay yourself first, which no one does. It's when you get your money in the you get your paycheck in the bank, then you pay your bills, and then if there's something left over, you may save it, but you're probably just going to spend it when we need to flip that. I got it. And I think it's interesting, too, to to see the family dynamic uh, of who is, is the husband or the wife or the one that pay the bills. Oh, don't go there. And that shifts sometimes. It hasn't in our marriage. We've been married for 20 years, and at one point in the early in the marriage, she was on top of the bills. It's kind of shifted to where now I'm the person that's taking over the bills. But when I talk to people, it's typically one or the other kind of takes that lead role uh, because it's it's depending on where you are in your life, you could have a lot of bills <laughs> and they need to be on a regular schedule so you don't miss anything. Yes, it can be. And some of them are big bills. Some of them are big. For its college education. You know, you talk about the reality of who's paying the bills. And I, I can remember years ago when I used to teach counseling or teach uh, financial management uh, from a biblical standpoint, a lot of times I would be talking to people and, you know, we'd say, well, you know, you need to have the husband. He, he's the head of the household, so he should be. Well, you know, that was a bunch of junk because I literally, I mean, I, I, I saw the principle as a real principle. Yeah, I understand that. But the reality is you can have a husband who struggles just managing, you know, two plus two, not that he's not a mathematician, not that he's, he's just not into the details mm-hmm. of doing that on a day-to-day basis. And he's married to an accountant, you know, or somebody mm-hmm. who's managing the details. So it is a matter of who's best at managing those finances on a day-to-day basis, who can pay the bills and who can manage how you're going through that process. And that's not, not for everybody. And most of the time in my counseling days, I can see that there's usually, if you marry, my wife and I are as directly opposite as you can get. I mean, I am the detailed, into the weeds sometimes type of guy, and she's an artist. Does that say enough? I mean, yeah. I cannot draw a straight line, but she's very creative, 
But she prefers me to handle the bills, just like what you're talking about. Yeah, but like I said, though, that's, you know, in in our life, that's changed dramatically. So you could go through the first part of your life where one person is taking on that responsibility. You move past and you have you have children, you have things that come up, you have new responsibilities, and all of a sudden that responsibility shifts. But it is something that you have to be on top of because as you grow older and you have more bills, if you you can't be missing payments because we're talking about, you know, saving money and keeping your credit score high and those types of things. You can't be missing payments. So somebody has to take the reins on it. I think it's a one person. I haven't seen yet. Uh, when you have two people trying to accomplish the same thing, I think you can miss some stuff. I think it's critical for us to make sure everybody needs to just think about this. If you're just getting married or you're headed in that direction, or maybe you're 20 years into your marriage, just look and, and help each other. And I think you're exactly right. Just It needs to be a partnership, but somebody takes on the responsibility. That's that's critical. Shannon, we've got about a couple of minutes here before we take a break, but what about health insurance in this whole survey of what FINRA came out with? What did you see with that? Well, I think the, a lot of the survey talked about people not being able to afford medical bills. Um, and when you look at the Affordable Care Act, which was passed in 2010, the, the object of it was to make health insurance premiums, first of all, affordable, but also making health insurance available to everyone. Um, and I think the affordability was kind of left behind. We, we, we got to the point where we offered insurance to more people. More people are insured today than ever have been insured before. Uh, but what we'll see is when people have to actually use the insurance and they have such a high deductible, and the reason the deductible is high is they had to try and keep their premiums lower. Um, we have problems paying those six, seven, eight thousand dollar deductibles when you know an, an unforeseen tragedy, or you break an arm, or you end up in the hospital. Those bills are hard to pay. You know that's that's become really a problem financially today, and so it's kind of like we're making progress. We have more people insured, but because we priced it so differently or high deductible. It is putting a drain. Michael, do you see that with your practice where people have all of a sudden got this high deductible and it's too expensive? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, especially if you don't have like a health savings account or flexible savings account that you can stow away money for that particular big medical bill we're not preparing for. But a lot of times it's cash flow. Yeah. And if you don't have the cash flow available, you're ended up adding an extra payment, which is that medical bill, whether it's for 12 months or 24. It's just a drag because we'd love to just pay that off and be done with it. But unfortunately, like Shannon said, it's not always the case. If you just tuned in, my guest, Michael Powell, Shannon Dyson, we've been talking about ways that we're seeing that Americans really are on the road to better financial health. That's a good thing. We're going to come back and we'll talk about how we feel better about our finances. And that's critical. And you'll find out how and why. And uh, Michael will tie that together for us. And then we're going to literally find out what does it mean to be in a self-insured plan? That sounds kind of scary, but it's important that we know about it. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, the question I asked you earlier, are you a saver or a spender? Well, the reality is you're probably both. 
You have some times that you want to save money because you're saving for something you want to purchase, or maybe you're just saving, as we talked about earlier, for a rainy day fund. The idea is we're talking about ways that we are on the road to better financial health, and Michael Powell has been helping us go through that. He's talking about that we've saved money to set up a higher down payment. 20% was kind of the measure that we needed to be there. We would save that, and we're doing that. Americans are now stepping up. Houses are being purchased. We've got a larger down payment. Obviously, we're making more money than we did 10, 15 years ago. And we're saving money for that rainy day fund. We talked about literally the idea behind health care. We're we're problem with health care. We're buying more, more people insured. But Shannon talked about the fact that we have a higher deductible in a lot of cases, so we're having to set aside that. But we're doing better according to the sim- the survey by the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, better known as FINRA. They said we're having less trouble buying paying our bills. In fact, they interviewed twenty seven thousand people, and that literally forty eight percent are doing better. They're having almost no difficulty, according to the survey, of literally paying their bills. That's a tremendous thought. I want to ask you this, and Michael, are, we're, we're, I said earlier that we're doing better. We feel good about our finances. Talk about that for a second. Well, it makes sense from all the points you I, just made. If I'm taking care of all those four points you just mentioned, then of course we're going to feel better about our finances. And with the relatively low unemployment rate we've had, with the soaring stock market since pre-recession, you know, all those different things that are happening, you would think that people are feeling way more comfortable with with what is going on. Because in that survey in 2009, only 16% of the participants in that survey said they felt good. I'm sure. And then I didn't feel good. And then it jumped up to 31%, you know, over the past 10 years. And I think that was in 2016. Yeah. So clearly we're getting there, but of course not everybody's going to feel good about their finances because we're always looking at our, our neighbor or our peer and comparing us to other people, which we shouldn't do. But at the same time, I think this is very good news. I think the good part about what you've shared with us today is we're making progress And if you're not in that group, if you feel like you're still stagnant or still struggling, give Michael a call, see what he can do to help you. That's the bottom line. How do you move from the struggle side to say, hey, now I'm getting where I am more, not just a saver, but I'm spending on things that I want and desire, and you're managing your desires and your wants, and you're you're working through that process. That's all what we're talking about. But you are buying health insurance. We have more people, according to Shannon, Dyson, that more people are covered with health insurance today, but here's the question for you. Why employers should you consider self-insuring their health plan if they have a small business? Shannon, I introduced it thinking the process. When I said earlier, I thought about the idea of what is a self-insured or self-funded plan? Give us an explanation of that. Most most group health plans... Uh, Companies that have less than 200 employees. When we're talking today about small business, that's that's really what we're referring to in our market is a an employer that has less than 200 employees, which is making up most of the workforce today. Absolutely. And so what what we find is that most companies in that space have what's called a fully insured health plan. So think your Blue Crosses of the world, Cigna, Aetna, Humana. Um, you pay a premium as an employer. Uh, your employee pays a, a part of that premium, 
and then you go 12 months and then you're going to get an increase. You're not going to have any idea as to why you got the increase. You're just going to see a 12, 13, 20, 25 percent increase uh, that you try to negotiate down. And then you go the next 12 months and it's the same thing. So fully insured, meaning I pay a premium as an employer. Insurance company pays all the claims. I have no idea what kind of claims are going on. I just know that each year I'm going to get an increase, but, and we'll move from there. Now, now Shannon, that's the traditional method. I it mean, is. We've done that for year after year after year, and you're talking about something that's not quite centered around the traditional method. It's a little different. So self-funding has always been around. Um, it's typically has been used for companies that have 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 or more okay. employees. Um, and you think of self-funding, um, self-funding basically means that the employer is taking on the responsibility of paying the claims rather than the insurance company paying those claims. Say that again. I want to make sure I understood that. So self-funding is the employer, uh, the person that is in charge of the health plan, they are taking the responsibility of paying the claims, uh, whereas in a fully, sure, a fully insured plan, the insurance company is taking on the responsibility of paying the claims. All right. As a small business owner, can you imagine all of a sudden that additional responsibility falling on my shoulders or anybody, any small business owner today. And the, when you think about that, that can literally uh, create a massive amount of work and a massive amount of trials and tribulations if it's not paid. I want to find out more about that. So when we come back here in just a second, I really want you to help me understand I mean, you just put a burden. I mean, I felt it when, when you all of a sudden you said the employer has got to be looking at it. You got to help me with that. You got to explain that. So we're going to come back in just a second with Shannon Dyson and Michael Powell. We're going to find out. Literally, he just described it's not it's not traditional. It's a step away. Now I thought it was new, but he said it's been around. But it's always been for the big giant employer. But the reality is, we're seeing small businesses step into this lane, and uh, I want to find out more about it. So stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. George Lee first came to Memphis in 1912, where he worked as a bellhop at the Gayoso Hotel to finance his education. During the First World War, Lee was accepted to a segregated Army officer training school and received a commission as a second lieutenant. Decorated for bravery in battle, he was promoted to first lieutenant, and the title Lieutenant Lee remained with him throughout his life. After the war, Lee established himself in the growing African-American insurance business and went on to become one of the most successful African-American political and business leaders in the South. He utilized his talents as an articulate speaker and a gifted writer in his lifelong local and national career. His initial political work was in the Lincoln League, an African-American Republican organization set up in 1916 by fellow Memphian Robert Church. Although the Republican Party won few elections in Memphis until the Eisenhower years, Lee, as the local GOP leader, exerted considerable influence through his alliance with East Tennessee Republicans. Lee later worked through the Fraternal Order of Elks to call attention to civil rights struggles on a national scale. He emphasized black pride through education and the expansion of African-American companies, and was famed for his descriptions of African-American life in his writings. In 1973, 
Lee's portrait was placed in the state capitol, and he also received the R.Q. Vinson Memorial Award presented by the American Legion in honor of his service to his country. Lee continued to be active in Memphis civic life until his death on August the 1st, 1976. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. While we're talking with Shannon Dyson and Michael Powell, and we're going through this process, we've been talking about the fact that Americans are doing better with their financial health, and now we're talking about a, a, something that's called self-funded insurance or self-funding your insurance plan, an employer, and uh, compared to the end of a fully insured health plan. Now, I understood a fully insured plan, and the self-funding, I always thought about it being a for the large, big corporations. Shannon's saying that small businesses, less than 200 employees, are stepping into that. And Shannon, I have to say to you, when you mentioned that, I just felt the weight. You said that it became the employer's responsibility. So now I am just about beat down to the point where I don't know <laughs> if I can continue to do the program. So help me get that burden off my shoulders. What am I going to do? So I've got you right where I yeah, want you. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so self-funding, the first question you probably ask you know, as an employer when I say you're responsible for paying claims, how do I pay claims? Yes. How in the world would that happen? That's a good question. So we have systems put in place, and you have third-party administrators that we bring on to the plan. They actually, I'm going to use a big word here, adjudicate the claims, uh, and they take care of all of that for Can you. Can I look that up real <laughs> Make sure I used it properly. And so when I say pay the claims, what happens is your employee really doesn't feel a difference. They use an insurance card. They take it to their, their provider. Um, what the third-party administrator does, it takes all those claims. It makes sure those claims are paid. And then it sends you, the employer, the bill for that month's worth of claims. And so as the employer, what you're basically doing is paying a monthly bill for the claims that your employees incur. All right. What's the advantage What's the advantage of a self-funded plan, a health plan, versus a fully insured? There are a lot of advantages uh, to the self-funding. The self-funding, uh, it gives you a lot more data uh, than what you would normally get from a fully insured uh, provider. And why is that important? Okay, wait a minute. Yep. What do you, the data being... You know which employee has a large bill? Is that what you're talking about? You do about? not know uh, employee-specific. You okay. just know conditions going okay. on in your That's group. That's important. It's, so you're not divulging. No, HIPAA laws won't re- will okay. not allow that. I think that's um, important for people to know. It is. Especially as an employee of a company, you want to make sure that right. you're you're safe at work. And if you have a, a uninsurable condition, that you are still safe at All work. All right. I want to make sure I understand this because I think if, if everybody listening is going to go, wait a minute, I don't want my employer to to know, but they're not, it's a, it's just one big bill, not individual. They're Absolutely. not going to go, Michael had a tonsillectomy, you had a appendix removed, and I had a broken ankle. Absolutely. And why, I could have gone a whole lot different there, guys. You know that. I could have I really played that up. You could. But I was simple. But it's not going to be specific, right? No. And, and why it's so important is if you have a, of a company of 110 employees, 
uh, and you find out that you have a population of 15 of your 100 people have diabetes, as an example. Uh, as an employer, you may want to put some programs in place, some diabetic programs, to make sure that those 15 people are getting the proper medication. But you don't know who they are. We don't know who they are, but we want to make sure that they're getting the proper education, that we're having lunch and learns. Now, when they show up to the lunch and learn, we're going to know who they are, sure. right? But that's not the important piece. The important part is the employer's trying to put programs in place. You know, we see a lot of, of people that will, because medications are so high, the cost of them are so expensive, uh, that they'll be cutting medication in half or not taking the proper dose because they can't afford it on a monthly basis. So as an employer, when you see, well, we have a lot of people in that boat, how about we put a program in place that gives free diabetic medication? Because as a self-funded employer, large claims are what you're afraid of in that, in that uh, aspect. You want to make sure that the small things are taken care of because over the long run, that's going to save you money. So you're talking about education? You're talking about those that may have diabetes. You're talking about diabetes programs that are focused for that diabetic. Right. And the the next thing you're talking about are shifting behaviors. Um, A lot of times you'll notice that you may have uh, emergency room overutilization. The emergency room uh, we have seen has been used for many things that are not emergencies. Uh, And that is and that is expensive (laughs) to the employee. And the employer, both. It's it's an expensive combination. Is that because in your business, when you think about, is that because people go to the ER because, quote unquote, it's it, there's no deductible to go to the ER, or is, is that a reason for that? Or well, what you see a lot of times, it's it's convenient. I don't think it's convenient. I but, see but, nothing convenient. But about it. it's something that's open twenty four hours. They get sick. They say, I'm just going to go to the ER. Okay. Uh, especially if someone has not uh, been used to having health care. Uh, maybe they're new to that altogether, and so they just think, well, I'm sick. I'm going to go to the ER because I know I can get seen. If right. I don't have a primary care doctor, I don't have anything else, so I just go to the ER. So what's the alternative to going to the ER? So with the, so what we'll do with, with a lot of our groups and employers is Teladoc is a great um, uh, invention. Out, it's a, it's a, yeah. Teladoc's a 24-hour-a-day yeah. doc on call to answer those types of questions. Very, very. If it, you're sick, it's very inexpensive. Uh, as an employer, those calls don't go against your claim, so you're saving money every time somebody makes that call. There are also urgent care facilities. So I uh, think uh, Baptist Minor Medical or the Methodist Alban Urgent Care, uh, those are much less expensive than going to the ER. Are they as crowded? Not at all. Really? Uh, mo- they, they can be crowded, but a lot of times you can actually get an appointment uh, from your phone and know that, hey, I'm third in line or I'm fifth in line. Um, we all know that the ER is extremely crowded. Uh, yes. So anything that we can do to educate employees to stay away from. Now, there are some things where you have to go to the emergency room, but there are many things that can be steered away. You know, if you just tuned in, my guest is Shannon Dyson and, and Michael Powell. We're talking currently about the difference between a self-fully insured plan and a self-funded plan and some of the advantages of a self-funded health care plan. You get more claims information because you have more information. You can create plans. I mean, that's that's how, I mean, you can be proactive, you know. Very proactive. Um, one of the, the second question that, that employers would, would ask when they're talking about moving to a self-funded plan is, what if I have somebody that gets really sick and we have $500,000 of claims on one employee? Uh, and the answer is we, we do buy. There is a, sh- a certain insurance aspect to a self-funded plan. Um, you're self-funding up to a certain amount. 
and we decide what amount that looks like for you, what you're comfortable with. Anything over that amount, insurance would take care of. So you're only on the hook up to the amount that we pre-select. All right. Give me the benefit. You, you said you've given benefits of education. You know, you talked about diabetic programs shifting, but there's got to be a cost here somewhere. It's called savings, I hope. So what you're looking at with it, one of the big advantages is cash flow for a company uh, with when you have a 100 to a 200 em- employee group, um, your monthly premiums can be very, very expensive. And so what we do immediately is lower that insurance cost by at least 40%, all the way down. So you're not paying that much out of pocket in insurance costs. And then you're paying claims as they arise. And so if you have a healthy group or if you're working towards that, your cash flow month to month will look vastly different than it looks if you're on a fully insured plan. Makes a lot of sense. We're talking about the difference between self-funding your health care plan or a fully insured plan. Obviously, it's a cash flow savings plan. So when I come back, I, I think what I'm interested in now is the idea behind we're a planning group. And so we think planning strategically. So what I want to do is take this employer, the small employer, and help me see what he should be thinking about four and five years from now. That's a to me. That's the problem. You got so much times as you said. We do it, just you know, twenty percent increase next year, twenty percent increase the following year. We have a tendency to do that. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. I'm talking with Shannon Dyson and Michael Powell. We have covered subjects from, you know, saving money on a rainy day fund to setting aside health insurance and, you know, having a a larger deductible. And I've asked Shannon to talk about the difference between a fully insured plan and the idea between this self-funding for small employers. And he's given us several advantages. But, but Shannon, you're a proponent. You, You really preach this, and I mean, preach it hard, that when it comes to health insurance plans, especially for small businesses, that they really shouldn't be running this 12-month deal. You know, just renewal, but on proper renewal, increase and increase. They should be thinking out three, four, five years from now. What are they going to be doing? Help us with that. Yeah, I think we, we run into that. The uh, Probably the biggest scenario that we see is that we walk into uh, an employer and it's a uh, Every 12 months, we're going to raise deductible to get our increase down, move forward. Next 12 months, raise deductible again, get our increase down, move forward. And so you have employees now that started out with a $1,500 deductible that now have a $6,000 deductible. And we're right back to what we were talking about earlier on when that health condition comes up and paying $6,000 out of pocket. What self-funding allows you to do is lower your fixed costs immediately. Uh, so you can plan five, ten years in the future, um, and you can on the good claims years where your where your company and your claims are running really good. It allows you to build up reserves, and you can have those reserves. Or if you do have a bad claim year, one year, you've got the reserves to cover that. But it's more of a planning. You know, I always tell people when we move them to this model, this is not a one year fix. This is a five-year plan, and it's a five-year plan because you, if you have one bad claims year and then you get out, you've really defeated the purpose. And so it's a five-year plan because over the long haul, let me ask you a question. What did United Healthcare and Humana stock price do over the last seven years? 
they're making money. Yeah. Over the long haul, it is the right solution. All right. You just said something, though, that I think kind of triggered a thought process. Over the long haul, a lot of times people cut, you know, they raise that deductible or they, you know, the price goes, or they end up saying, well, you had this benefit, we're going to cut. That's not a, that's a stopgap because it's just going to, what do you say to somebody who's doing that? That's a short-term fix. fix. Uh, and so what we what we tell employers when we're trying to move them to this model is you can keep deductibles the same for your employees. Um, we can make sure, because we can, we can, um, tailor a plan that is specific to that company. If we need to offer three different plan designs, we can do that. If we need to have one really low deductible option and then a high deductible option, we can do that. Um, And we're hoping to get to the point where we can have certain procedures where we don't charge employees any deductible for those procedures. There's ways that you can do that with self-funding. So it just opens up so many more uh, windows for you to be able to control your health care costs other than a fully insured plan. I think that's important for what you just said. Control your health insurance cost. It is an education program for employees. They've got to understand it. Absolutely. We're, we are all in this boat together. You know, the employer, when we're talking to employees, hey, guys, if we can keep our costs down, this is going to benefit everybody. Because if we can keep our costs low, it keeps your costs low. It just gives you more control than you currently have. I like what you've said. I hope everybody's understood that we've been talking about self-funding versus a self-insured health plan. Small business owners, if you're an employee of a small business, this is the type of thing maybe you might want to share with somebody. This is just helping out when it comes to cash flow and what the company is doing. Michael, you talked about Americans are on the road to better financial health. Can you summarize that for me? Yes. Home buyers are making higher down payments than before. People are saving up for more rainy day funds. People are having less trouble paying bills. People are got more insurance, health insurance specifically, and they're just feeling better in general about it. But the biggest thing we need to improve in general that we didn't talk about is saving for retirement. That's just a deficit that we'll continue to address. It's going to be something that we'll always have to address, but I think that's one thing that Americans should focus Do on. Do you find in, in your practice that it's just, again, it's it's like if you're 35 years old, it's just going to be another 30 years before I think about it? Yeah. I mean, I've got 30 years to worry about it, so why not? It, and Shannon's like, hey, same thing. We need to address this early because it isn't a one-year fix. You can't turn 64 and say, I'm going to retire at 65 and say, hey, I'm going to start saving for retirement now. I that doesn't it. work that way. Just it. like if you want to run the St. Jude Marathon in December, you can't just start getting on the treadmill in November after <laughs> Thanksgiving. Like, that doesn't make sense. You can't do that? Huh? I mean, you could, but we may have to have an ambulance ready, and your health bills are going to go up, which we had that problem earlier. So that's uh, well, my summary. Well said. Summarize for me, Shannon. You got a minute. As an employer, uh, know your options. I think that we, we are so geared towards the fully insured model that we just – think that there's no other way to do business. And I would say, let's look at that. Let's let's look at options where you can uh, open up new uh, types of benefits to your employees. You can have more control over the money that you spend. Healthcare or healthcare spending for an employer is the top two, three, or four uh, lines on the balance sheet. You're spending a lot of money for that benefit. Let's make sure that those dollars are spent appropriately and spent well so that you're moving towards a goal rather than just 
not understanding at the end of 12 months why you got the increase that you received. I think you said it extremely well. Both of you guys have done a great job. You've been listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. My guests, and they've done a great job, Michael Powell and Shannon Dyson. If you have additional questions for Michael or Shannon and you'd like to talk with them personally, you can call them at 757-5757. We hope that you've enjoyed today's program, that it's been educational and entertaining. We hope that you uh, can say that you've participated with us. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, you can go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial and be sure to like us on Facebook. Guys, thank you so much for being a part of today's program. Thanks, Jim. Enjoyed it. Thank you very much. You know, I appreciate so much that these guys are very educated and they know what they're talking about. And we have had two great subjects, health care, self-funding, and we know what the difference is between we are making progress with what we're doing as far as the American wealth and what we're trying to save money and our American health as far as finances are concerned. Thank you for being a part of today's program. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and thanks for listening. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Yeah.